She came on the scene in 1967. She was a newcomer to the country scene. Yet in 1968, she sang the song of 1968. It was the number one single of the whole year, and it was titled D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Many, many look to that song that helped pave a way for First, the state of California, and then some 48 other states to bring into law what we know as no-fault divorce. California wrote that law in 1969. It came into law January the 1st, 1970, before we look at what Jesus has to say about divorce Let me state a couple of things. Divorce is not new. It is not new. Dealings with divorce were happening in the first century, and Jesus spoke on the issue, on the subject, on the topic multiple times to multiple people, to multiple crowds. He spoke on divorce. It was not new in Jesus' day. It was not new in the prophets' days of the Old Testament. They spoke of it. It was not even new in Moses' day as the law was given. Divorce is not new. A couple of statements and then I will get into God's Word. I'm glad that the view of divorce in our culture has changed. There have been a number of decades, scores even of decades, when one would be divorced that the culture would shun them to the point that they were looked at worse than second-class citizens. That is no longer the case in our culture. I am glad of that. I am not glad that our culture has gone to the other extreme and shown that it is a medal of honor, possibly, or even championed that one is divorced. Divorce, you need to hear this this morning, divorce is not the big sin. It is not the huge sin. And for you or me to look at anyone, if that is the case or as that would be the case, you and I need to think about it this way. Lying is the big sin. Jealousy is the big sin. Gluttony is the big sin. Stealing is the big sin. Coveting is the big sin. Adultery is the big sin. And if you have fallen in any of those, you have fallen in all. In this room, we are a bunch of sinners. Please know that He is a greater Savior than you and I are sinners. 
And he has saved you. And he has saved me. He has done the work of salvation for all sin. So, sir or ma'am, if you are in the room this morning and divorce has been a part of your past, please know he has unconditional love for every single one of us because sin has been in the past of all of us and he saves from all sin. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 down through verse 37 speak on two Issues are two topics, that of divorce and that of oaths. So let me walk us through both of these points in Jesus' sermon this morning. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 31, we will... It'd be good if I'd turn back to Matthew and not try to preach Matthew chapter 5 out of Acts chapter 5. That would be a good thing. So look with me in Matthew chapter 5. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone, that's a key word, everyone, everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Look at that topic of oaths for just a moment. Again, you have heard that it was said To those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or uh, for it is the throne of God or by earth, for it is his footstool or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head. For you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be, be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage or these verses, Father, I, I can't read hearts but I am, I am sure there are those in this room that are thinking, why in the world did I come to this room this morning? If I would have known that this was the subject matter, I would have gone a hundred other places. Father, would you speak to all of our hearts this morning? And show us, show us, Father, what, what you say on the issue, yes, Father, how much you love every single one of us. God, would you speak this morning? May we give you glory for all that you are about to do. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Before we get into divorce, let me say something about oaths. And all I'm going to say is what Scripture states. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 states it this way, when words are many, 
When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Jesus was combating here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, namely one group of people, and that was the group of people called the Pharisees. They would make an oath, and they would think so high of God that they wouldn't make the oath by God because that would be sacrilegious, but they would make the oath by a a part of their body. They would make the oath by a city, by even Jerusalem, and then they would have 157 different ways to get out of that oath lawfully because of something else that was stated. And Jesus says, don't be like that. Solomon, in Proverbs 10, as I just read for us, put it very succinctly when he stated, whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Jesus stated that same thing a different way by saying, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So watch your words, Riverbend. Watch your words, Brian. Watch your words, sir, ma'am. And for those of us trying to figure out if someone is telling the truth or not, Look back at those two passages. If they are just waxing eloquently about this issue or that issue, and they are trying to get in and maneuver around, just say, you know what? (laughs) Smells like a duck. Kind of walking like a duck. Quacking like a duck. Guess what? Probably lying like a duck. Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. You have heard it said, You have heard it said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. One point this morning, and it is this, man's traditions often vary on major issues, but Jesus's does not. Man's traditions, man's words often vary on major issues, but Jesus does not. What is a certificate of divorce? A divorce is this. It is a certified release, a certified bond. It is a written notice of the termination of a marriage. Old Testament and New Testament It was a protection. This certificate was a protection for the woman when the husband would send her away. And then said husband would try to hold her up to even look bad or bring her back in the house and treat her in a way that was wrong. It protected her and it also freed her To marry another. Another term in this passage, in these two verses, is that of fornication, and it is defined this way sexual immorality. It's dealt with 
Uh, I dealt with that term last week. It was um, adultery. It is any sexual act outside of a marriage. It's sex with a man, sex with a woman, sex with self. Any sexual act outside a marriage relationship is the definition there of fornication and sexual immorality. Remember the setting, folks. Jesus is speaking with his followers, and now some probably two or 3,000 people are on the hillside in Galilee. And Jesus is talking and trying to get this sermon and the points thereof in the sermon across to his audience. He's preaching about kingdom attitudes, if you remember back in Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 10. And now he is speaking of those actions that come from the attitudes. He has given solutions even before he outlines problems and issues in any of our lives. So let's see these traditions. In the first century, in the Jewish culture, there were two. There was this school of Hamel, and there was a school of Shammai. Hamel and Shammai, the two huge schools of Jewish thought of the first century, and they are very similar that you and I might look at a Democratic Party and a Republican Party of our government. One was extremely liberal. It was the Himal school. And the other was the Shammai, and it was extremely conservative. The Himal school of thought stated that a man could divorce his wife for pretty much any reason whatsoever. There was even one rabbi that stated, hey, if if a man finds another woman who is more fair than his wife, he can divorce her. Just think about picking up the uh, Jerusalem Daily Journal and seeing an ad from L'Oreal or CoverGirl or Rodan and Fields that said, hey, you better put on this lipstick, you better put on this makeup because your husband's looking for someone more fair than you. And it was okay for them to divorce. It was common practice. Numerous writings for someone to divorce his wife if, quote, she spoiled dinner, end quote. That was the Himal group. The other was the Shema group. And, and on the surface, they kind of get it right what Jesus is saying that there is only a very few reasons for divorce. Most of those fall underneath, as Jesus is stating, that of sexual immorality. But what the Shammai group and also the Himal group stated was for the man and nothing for the woman. In this sermon and in following teachings, Matthew chapter 19 in Luke's gospel and Mark's gospel, also the teachings of Paul in 1 Corinthians, it brought an equal standing for women with men. It was the first of its kind. And Jesus states here, for all of us, man and woman alike, 
Here's the grounds for divorce. Jesus, as he normally does, goes past the surface and he speaks to the heart, the root of the issue. Look at the verses one more time. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus breaks the teaching. He breaks the thought process. He states that both men and women are in the wrong if they take part in this. So the question for you and for me this morning, sir, ma'am, is this, what do we do? 2018. 2018. Some 2,000 years after Jesus' statement, what do we do? On the subject of divorce. So let me tell you my standing on divorce and we'll go from there. If anyone comes into the office and sits down and says, hey, I, I, need, I need you to, uh, to counsel me on this topic. Whether it has been a family member where there have been a number of them to sit across the table or across the telephone line and ask my counsel on it. Whether it was church members, whether I have stood in, in, a, in a public area with a neighbor, my stance has been and I believe will continue to be the same. Here's the stance. I cannot, I will not, counsel any individual to divorce their spouse. Before you turn me off, listen a little more. I will not do this because of two main things. One, because of God's view of marriage and the picture that marriage paints. God's view of marriage has been stated from Genesis chapter 2, really Genesis chapter 1, but from Genesis all the way through, he has remained constant on the issue of marriage. Even in Malachi, Malachi chapter 2, he states, I hate divorce. So therefore, if you're sitting across the table from me and you're asking me to counsel you to do something that God hates, I will not do it. But you do need to understand that there have been a number of times, a number of times that I have told a woman, a wife, and I have told a man, a husband, do not go back to that house. Find somewhere else to live. Do not put yourself in that situation again. But do not be the one that runs to court for the divorce. God hates it. Physically, you need to be safe. Emotionally, you need to be safe. 
Therefore, there may need to be distance between you and your spouse. I get it. I hate it. I hate to talk that way. I hate to have the conversation, but I get that you and I live in a day and there are situations after situations where this comes up. But I have counseled and will continue to counsel. Don't be the one that runs to court. I can give you example after example. But let's look over in Ephesians chapter 5 for just a few moments. In Ephesians chapter 5, the picture that is painted about marriage is seen clearer here than I believe anywhere else. In Ephesians chapter 5, Jesus states this, or Paul states this, um, concerning Jesus. First, he states, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Now, as to... As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself. And he might present her in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we're members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Do you see the picture? The picture that is painting, that, that is painted is Christ is the groom and we, the church, are the bride and we will be united forever and ever and ever. In that picture, every person that I've had the pleasure to stand in front of and lead their wedding ceremony, I have taken them to this passage and say, Do you see this picture? Here is Christ as the groom and the church as the bride and we are coming together and that is the two shall become one forever and ever and ever. And if that's the picture that is going to be painted for all eternity, there is numbers, scores of those paintings being lived out from this room every single day to those around us, to our neighbors, to our family, to our kids, to our co-workers, to those in this culture. And it is a picture that is to show Christ and the church. And He will never divorce us. And so the picture of marriage is to be the same physical picture even today. Hence, my counsel and my stance on this issue is, do not divorce. God hates it, and the picture that is shown. 
But are there grounds? Yes. Let me give you three and I'll close. Jesus states one of the grounds right here. He states if there is sexual immorality, you have grounds for divorce. If there is sexual immorality, you have grounds for divorce. If you look in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 12, you need to be extremely clear and know this for a fact because in those verses, the same statement is given, but then Jesus says this because the argument that was brought up by the Pharisees is, well, what, what about Moses? He gave certificates for divorce, and you and I need to be extremely careful to hear Jesus. And in those verses, you, you go and read them, he states this. The reason Moses gave those certificates wasn't because of sexual immorality. Here's his words. Because the hardness of your hearts. It wasn't the issue of sexual immorality. It's not even the issue that you and I can't get past it. Forbid, forbid that it were to happen in my marriage, that Paige was unfaithful. It's not that we couldn't get past it. I know a number of those that have. Would it be hard? You better believe it's hard. Does he give grounds for it? Yes. Paul even takes it further. He he even states another reason why. In 1 Corinthians, he states if there is an unbelieving uh, partner or an unbelieving spouse and they do not want you back, they kick you out, go divorce. It is lawful. But just because something is lawful in our day doesn't mean that you and I need to run to it. It, it's, It's lawful for me. As a 40, almost 5-year-old, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be 45. It's lawful for me to walk into any restaurant, to walk into any grocery store, and to purchase alcohol. I will not do it. I know there are a number in the room that do it. I will not do it. Don't look down at you for doing it. I, I will not do it. Because in another life, it controlled me for a number of years. I will not do it. You know, it's lawful for me. I can wear pink suspenders with chartreuse on them. I will not do it. Not going to happen. I can wear knee-high socks with chacos. I will not do it. It's lawful, but I will not do it. Just not going to do that. Some of you will. I will not. If y'all didn't get who I was looking at, there were two, two guys right here. Yeah, raise your hand. I'm not going to do it. Had to have some light in the sermon somewhere. But, but understand this. Just because something is easy, I Googled it this week. Kind of scared to tell you. I Googled, Googled it this week. It was the top line. In the state of Mississippi, if you have $137, you can have a no-fault divorce. Just because something is easy. Just because something is lawful in our culture, it does not mean that you and I should do it. Divorce goes against what God has set out for marriage. God has set out one man and one woman for life. The two shall become one flesh. Jesus is crystal clear as he states, 
his stance. It does not vary. It does not waft or wane from one side to the other. No matter the wind and the direction that it blows, he is constant. There are a number in the room that have had to walk through the sorrow of divorce. There are a number in the room that grew up in a home where they saw their mom and their dad divorce. In my home, growing up, my sister's three and a half years older than I am. I remember it vividly. There were some moments in my mom and dad's relationship where both of them had lawyers and they were ready. The court date was set. And I remember sitting and talking with my sister, knowing, both of us, a certainty that we were about to be living in a split home because of the divorce. That date was pushed. That date was pushed again. That date was pushed, and they never went. And I'm so thankful. I've told my parents... And we've talked about it, but I've told my parents, I I knew. Jennifer and I, we talked about it. We are going to grow up in a divorced home. She was 14, I was 11 at the time. There's hope. There's hope for those that have walked through that, that have lived through that, the sorrow that has come about. I know it. Please know that you are loved. Please know that your sin is in a long line of other sins that every single one of us have in our lives. And if we have fallen in one of the law... Jesus states, if you've fallen in one, the word states you have fallen in all of it. And every single one of us need a Savior. Every single one of us need a Savior. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, the point is this. Sir, get to the place where you will run to the Savior. Ma'am, get to the place where you will run to the Savior because every single one of you on this hillside, every single one of you in a black chair, every single one of us in this room need a Savior. Please get to a place where you will run to Him because He will save you. He will save you in that moment. He will save you in that issue. He will save you for all eternity. Sir, ma'am, if you don't know Him, run to Him. He loves you. And he has the very best for you, and you, and you. Heavenly Father, it is a, a dividing issue in our day, and it was a dividing issue in that day. It's been a dividing issue in every day, I believe. Father, may this church... May we, your sons and daughters, love as you love. In every area, in this area, may we love. May we wrap our arms around men and women that are walking through this heartache at 
this moment. And may we love them like you love them. Father, there are a number that have walked through this in the past. God, thank you for never giving up. Thank you for changing men and women. God, continue to use us. Continue to use us to glorify your name. And Father, no matter the past... No matter, no matter if our eyes have been looking in other directions, no matter if we have, have been inundated and we've been filled with adultery, no matter if we have sinned in the area of the marriage to the point that we have divorced, God, may we... May we make an emphatic statement today that that will never occur again. God, you bring new mercy every single day. May these men and women, may may I know that and live that out in every aspect of life. God, we we looked at divorce this morning, and it is a heavy topic. But, Father, may, may we understand it in the totality of all sin. That is heavy. And may we never go back in any of them. God, would you break the chains today, right now? And may we run to a loving Savior. And a loving Father. And once again, afresh and anew, might we surrender our lives to you. God, you, you save. You bring joy. God, you change us in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing. We're singing and we're responding. So come and join us.